Welcome to Biggest Geekus. We are your hosts. I'm Joe. I'm Randy. This is episode 65 of the podcast, and the date is Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. So, we didn't play any D&D this weekend. No poop. And we're not going to be playing for this past weekend, and we're not going to be playing this coming up weekend. I don't think we're going to be playing until the first of the year, right? I know, because this weekend I'm going to wrestling. Yeah, I'm, I want to punch somebody. <laughs> I'll probably you. Yeah, I'm probably the yeah, best. Punch my wife because I, I yeah. actually love her. Right. So I would punch me when you get a chance. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah. So hey, I'm wearing my fair weather fan hat. Well, we're gonna get commentary on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely a fair weather fan. I don't give two craps about Michigan. I'm an IU guy, but they are in the final four of uh, college football, so that's kind of cool. College ball. Okay. College football. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That might even be a fun to watch. It might be. It's going to be, um, I think they're playing Georgia and Alabama's playing Cincinnati. Yeah. So I don't think pro ball is fun to watch anymore. (laughs) It's hit and miss. It is. It's so hard to, as long as they're not, you know, signaling, virtue signaling all the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so since we don't, we don't have any emails or any, Collins, uh, one would think that nobody loves us. You would think that. That would seem like that. Or cares about us. Right. Call the ambulance. But, but um, that is not the case. It's just um, uh, we um, aren't getting those particular love-ins right now. Yeah, who knows? People could be busy. We're getting I, uh, some subscriptions on our YouTube channel. Um, the uh, Twitter account for our podcast is slowly gaining traction. Um, if I if I stop being inept and respond to the the wrong things and actually become more active on it, or we hire a um, media um, person, a social media yeah. manager, yeah, with all our extra, with all the petty cash, with our petty cash, which is so petty it's non-existent. <laughs> oh, speaking of that. Yes. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we got a new uh, monthly contributor, which uh, I believe I mentioned on the podcast, but we didn't say who because I wasn't sure yet right. how to address him uh, in public. Uh, he said to go by his uh, um, YouTube handle, which is Arnman, A-R-N-M-A-N, Arnman. So Arnman, thank you. Yes. We now have a grand total, grand total. Of yes. two, two. Yeah, baby. Cash is just flowing in. I can just, it's like, I got to have a whole separate room in my house for all that cash. Yes. <clears throat> so two, which is good, better than zero. Yep. Yes. And it's a start. So thank you, Arn Man. Yeah. Um, <sighs> also, um, what we have on the docket before we get to our main topic is kind of thin, but um, we have... Uh, uh, some commentary on Masters of the Universe. Part two. Part two. Yeah. I've yet to watch it. Um, but I do want to give some credit to Jason at Nerds and Joe at uh, Hindsightless, if they still listen or watch. Uh, it did appear from what I saw in the, I don't know if it was the video, one of the first part of the video of the, of the show, or it was on a, you know, a screen capture on Netflix. It did look like, Skeletor did stab He-Man at the end of the first part, 
through the side, but it looked awfully close to his chest too. So it looked kind of, kind of bad. So he, I may have been wrong and I will admit it that he maybe was not killed, killed, but I watched a video snippet. It was like lower, um, lower, let's see, right side of his, um, back, lower back and through his belly. So I'm not I have, sure how uh, anybody thought it went through his chest. Unless, I thought that was me. I thought that. I thought he just killed yeah. him. All right. Yeah. So but, that was that was a possible mortal wound. Yeah. I mean, in, because you could have got easily got some um, some vital organs in that area. But I mean, you know, it's cartoon and it's also um, you know superhero-y type stuff. So. Oh, apparently somebody put some healing hands on him. So. Yeah. Um. I have a we have a, a link here. Spoiler. Sorry. Yeah, you should watch Critical Drinkers Review if you've watched the video. I'm going to watch it. I'm going in biased because I literally hated the first. The first, Well, hate's a strong word. I just thought there was a lot of garbage there. And Joe at High and Silas vehemently disagreed with me, which is fine. And Jason at Nerds RPG kind of said, eh, maybe not. I don't think he agreed with me either, which is fine. Well, um, he didn't. Agree, it's not that they didn't agree with you that it wasn't a good show. Because I don't right. think either one of them liked it. They just didn't. Right. Joe Joe said it was his favorite show. He just disagreed that there was any kind of like, you know, too much woke attitude and stuff. And we can agree. He's still insisting on the Christian themes, but he's high. So, yeah, (laughs) that's pretty crazy, Joe. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I don't believe that. But I'm going to look at uh, I'm going to watch this at some point, maybe over Christmas break, which is in two weeks, baby. A week from this Thursday, Randy gets a nice long break. I I think what you could say about the themes is they are broadly. heroic in nature so there's mm-hmm. parallels but they, mm-hmm. they they appear to do them very terribly <laughs> yeah so critical drinker gives a pretty harsh review but i'm yes, gonna try, he does i watched his review yeah try to watch it i'm gonna try to watch the show but if he's even remotely close i'm gonna hate it but it, I didn't it's really still look- on netflix right it's on oh netflix. yeah, yeah it's on i netflix. don't have netflix so i'm not gonna watch it Nah, nah. But that's all I wanted to say about that. I will come back with a further review once I've watched it because I don't want to be. I shouldn't have watched Critical Drinkers review because now I'm biased. But not really. I was biased going in. I was. Yeah, I yeah. hated the first one. I was probably going to hate the second one. So we'll see. And like I said, there were things about the first one I liked. Um, there was some good action. It was better than I recall the cartoon on Saturday mornings, as far as like the cartoon itself. Some of the dialogue was better. Uh, some of the action was definitely better. But uh, well, the art and animation are better. Yeah, yeah. Whether so, you yeah. like the depictions of the characters or not, the art is arguably the art better. is tremendously better. Yes. Yeah. So, but uh, anyway, so uh, uh, so yeah. yes. Um, and I already mentioned contest. Oh no. Um, there is maybe I can share this. There mm-hmm. is an article up on Ian. Uh, is that Ian World or no RPG.net? Yes. On um, holiday gifts, since it is, it is. The, the season of giving. Yep. Let's see here. Where are we at there? Share. Ooh, that, I think that was the one I liked the best, actually. Right. I'm nice gonna, dice tray. I'm going to scroll up to the top. Now, this is just a um, image for the article. I, I don't, I don't know if it's, right. it's not depicted below, but yeah, I don't think it's a gift. Oh, no, it is. Jewelry box. Jewelry box. Okay. 14 yeah. bucks for a very small box. Yeah, not interested. That's that's the thing about all these um, dice boxes and, and things like that. They're all really small. They hold very few things. Now, if all you want is a set or two of dice, then it's good for you. I like carrying like two-pound sacks of dice. Right. <laughs> Most people probably do, you know. 
weird for most people. I'm probably like a, a mutant or something, but yeah, that's what I, I, I like. So I can't recall the early, early days that I would even carry around this many dice. Yeah. I a lot more. So. Yeah, but uh, I like carrying lots of dice. I don't know what that's about, but that's the way it is with me. That's, pretty, game. that's pretty gamer. That's pretty normal for a gamer. It's, it's a nice box, though, for those who are not on video. Um, yeah. It's got a I don't know if it's a real kind of uh, wrapped leather look or if it's faux leather or it looks like wood. And then they've tried to make it look kind of like how uh, some boxes are bound in leather as well. Yeah. I like that clasp too. The clasp is the pretty clasp good. is nice. It's well made. It's just small. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they're going for the leather look there or just tooling, but it's an interesting looking box. Yeah. And it's not very expensive. It's only $14. So yeah. 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 And then next up is a dice roller, a dice tower with a yeah. skull on it, because of course it's going to have a skull on it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't care much for dice towers. Yeah. I was infatuated for about two seconds. And I was like, nah, I know it's just one more thing to carry around. I mean, it's if, not, if I was I running a game at my own place, maybe a dice tower would be um, something I would do, but right. But it's nice looking though. It it's, looks plain. it's kind of plain. It just all it really is to those still uh, who are just on audio. It's uh, essentially two wooden boxes inside each other. One of them has a skull on it with a die on its forehead. Hey, I wonder if that vertical one rotates down to where it's flat. That would be kind of cool. Um, Probably most not. of them are are like that, where they where they uh, um, they have a travel position. So yeah, yeah. hopefully you're okay. right. Yeah. Um, and for those on audio, this is um, huh, this is on Ian World. I thought it was a different place. Maybe it got redirected. Yes, it's uh, okay. Ian World. Um, I, gift ideas for game masters. Oh, that's why you have this article up. <laughs> oh, Dude, that's right. A method. There's a method here. That's right. I'm trying so, to. In other words, gift ideas for Randy. <laughs> what i'm talking about i kind of actually, glossed over that title there my actually bad. i just noticed it right there that it was i thought it was gift ideas but yeah I, th I think that'd be good for anybody though so far so far I don't, neither one of those is like purely game mastery no no hardly at all and this one really uh, <laughs> no this it's a i'm sorry for those who are watching i'm crazy with the uh thing i'm trying to get it all nice looking here this is a ball they call it a die but it's a ball a d60 man a d60 for i don't know what game system but if you I need to generate a number between one and 60 or any number that is divisible at the the far end by evenly by 60 <laughs> there you go yeah it's but a big bronze ball it's pretty massive bronze ball good luck with it stopping somewhere <laughs> very yeah very probably unlikely yeah i wonder if it gives the dimensions Ah, there's a link. Let's see if it gives the dimensions on how there big the ball is. It is a link to Amazon. Oh, it has a little cup. Oh, okay. You shake the cup, potentially. Let's see here. It's not very big. Okay. It's like a golf ball. Gotcha. Maybe a little bigger. Well, it's bigger than a golf ball, but like a, tan like a small, like a tangerine or something yeah. like that. Not very big. No, um, but it's it's a bronze ball. It's nice looking. Yeah. 
And it looks like it comes with some kind of container or canister. Oh yeah, probably. That's what I probably shake it up in the canister because you try to roll this on a table. It's just, it's never going to (laughs) stop. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. The diameter is 43 millimeters Hmm. or 1.69 inches. So it's, yeah. So it's about three inches across. Yeah. A little more than three inches across. All right. That's nice. No, no, that's no. Nice something that you will see. It said diameter. It's almost two inches across. It's diameter. Diameter's all the way across. Oh, I'm thinking radius. Yeah. Oh, so it's very small. Yes. I think that's a tiny hand then that it's in. About this wide. That's not even two inches. No. Is that a baby hand? There's got to be a baby hand. Somebody's got a baby hand. But it has long fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, something you will something you will put on your shelf and never use. Correct. Most likely. Yes. Most likely. Oh, I lost. There it is. All right. Next up is something I think is actually the one thing in here that I think is cool. Are these fantasy coin things? You can use as tokens at your yeah. table. They're neat looking, at least. And they have to be tokens design. because. They have to be tokens, though, because you can't really use them as coins. You couldn't, like, hand out coins to players and say, here's 400 gold pieces. But I do like all the interesting shapes. Yeah, it's a a variety of designs. I mean, it's not a huge variety, but it looks like something that you could show as representation. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could use them um, in your campaign world and say you find one of these and you hold it up. And and then people have like a point of reference. So sure, yeah, it would be nice to have as a yeah. It could be cool to at least you know look at or use as a token, and you know like especially in thirteenth age, you could use it as a token for your relationship points. Right, and and but for a lot of people, they won't find use for that, and it'll just take up space somewhere. I think they're cool. Yep. Okay, then up next is a dice tray, dice box. So it has a roller in it, which is good, and then space for very few dice. Okay. That I, yeah, well, yeah, but if you're as a player, that wouldn't be bad. Four, uh, about four sets. So a lot of people will be satisfied with that. Just yeah. not me because I'm right. You need thousands of sets of dice. I do. I do. But it's 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 nice looking. Um, it looks sturdy. Yeah. But I think it's a little expensive. 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is um, uh, monster tokens that are. I wonder if these illustrations come from like the fifth edition books or some um, of the, I'm not sure, but I tell you books. what, I, those do look cool. I mean, those yeah, I like the, the gelatinous cube looks pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. They're all pretty solid. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. Um, let's see. 40 pieces for 40 bucks. Hmm. Dollar a piece. Hmm. Even the small ones. I don't know. They look pretty sturdy though. They don't look like, you know, they look thick. So yeah, they do. Oh, is this a metal edge? Uh, click on the link. Let's see. It looks either metal or very shiny plastic. Oh, look at that. Uh, let's see. On Amazon, I'll give you a bag. Chill Approach is the name of the company. Okay. Weird name. Premium D&D Tabletop RPG Monster Tokens. 40 pieces. Um, let's look at some details. It doesn't say there what they're really right. made of. Let's see. Um, eye-catching design, which we already mentioned. Right. They, they're shiny looking. Maybe they got a little plastic top to them. Maybe. Because they, they, they're reflective. Yeah. Those aren't bad. They're not. There's good illustrations on them. Colorful. Yeah. 
Yep. Folder looks scary. Tokens for monsters and stuff. That wouldn't be bad. Um, more durable than miniatures. Um, substantial metal base. They're metal. Okay, that then forty dollars makes sense. Yeah, it does. But that's heavy. Those would be heavy to carry around. I've heard Glenn at uh, the RPG Grognard, old man Grognard, say that he had a few. He he had made some out of like, I forgot out of washers he made tokens and he says that got really heavy like metal i'm sure yeah with as many miniatures as you could potentially use in a game set uh you know depending on your duration if you were going for the long haul yeah that can get really uh heavy really fast yeah uh we got a copper dice set for 65 dollars um and they look all right and it looks like it comes with a wooden box a little harder for me to read i think i'd pass on that yeah, they're they're kind of crude looking. Yeah, it, it may be just a bad picture. That also might be the intention too, though. Yeah. So who knows? Sixty five bucks for a set of dice is kind of steep, even if it's metal, yeah. in my mind. Yes. And last on the list is a game bag, which is very small. <laughs> well, it looks like it isn't for miniatures. No, it says bring your laptop. It says portable adventurers pack. Bring your RPG games to life with an integrated foam storage compartment that accommodates up to 16, count them, 16 miniatures. Uh, maybe it's just for miniatures, but still. Oh, no, it can't it. be. It's Props only gear and books on route for the DM. Yeah. Resistance. If you're playing, uh, if you're playing um, Savage Worlds, that would work. Yes. Because they're book, you can get, uh, they have uh, very small size books. Also, yeah. The RPG pundit has a book that would that would work really well with that. Oh, you picked that up, huh? I did. Nice. It's yeah. a it's a nice book. Is it cool? It's well put together, very solid. Maybe we'll put this, we'll make this as part of segment one, too. We're gonna get oh. out of here. Uh yeah. this um this adventuring bag, while it looks nice, kinda, it's very small. I know it looks small. Though he does have that's a cool if you look at the loops down there at the bottom holding a map. It's got a loop on the side of oh, the bag. Yeah. Yes, slide a map. Out. That's kind of slick, but yeah. Still. So as long as you as long as you don't bang it on anything, then it yeah <laughs> yeah and ruin your map. Yeah, but um, this is uh, RPG pundit. One of his books. It's not his latest, but um, uh, it's called World of the Last Sun. It's a compilation of articles that he 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 released. Oh, as, um, uh, products on on um, drive through RPG. Cool. Uh, what does he call them? Uh, RPG pundit uh, presents, yes. and that's the it's a whole line of articles. Oh, okay. This is a Gonzo world. It's oh, magic right. and tech. They have guns, oh, okay. uh, intelligent skeletons and zombies. A whole a whole kingdom of undead. Oh wow! But um, it's a it's basically a set of geographical areas with a with a theme. There's a it's a world with a theme and um. But the and the high level details are given and encounter tables with interesting and entertaining encounters. I would have to say. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I didn't know what that. I thought that was a campaign book, but that's just a list. It, it is, but it's it's um and it seems thick, but it's it a, it's a smaller book. Oh. Um, but I think it's sufficient and um, um, it gives a lot of different, like say factions, which are you know so they're geographical locations. Mm-hmm. Um, that have a power center within them, the yeah. inhabitants to, and 
they only really talk about the very, very, very important people, like okay. one to five people or creatures. So basically a quote unquote campaign world where you could really fill in the blanks. Yeah, because it's high level details. Uh, it gives a, a background that doesn't need necessarily to be exactly that, or there's enough questions and vagueness in there that you can easily make it your own. Very cool. So I've only read, I've read the background story and I've read a few of the, um, the power centers in it. And it's you just recently picked that up. Huh? Did you just recently pick that up? Yes. Fairly recently. It's been a, a few weeks, but it's taken some time to get some time to read. Yeah. I've been working a lot. You have that, you have lion and dragon too, right? Lion and dragon. I believe so. Okay. But yeah. Um, so, um, Brief read, good. Um, he brings some. Okay, so I've said before that I don't think you should bring real, real world politics into your game product, right? And probably not even your table if you can help it. I mean, I'm not going to. I think most people will not have a good time when you do that, right? Usually, but you can parody that stuff. Yes, very well, and I think that he does that in a few spots. And cool. So there's um. And unde- the undead uh, kingdom yep. has uh, white supremacists in it. <laughs> they're white. Really? Yeah. Oh. yeah, they're white. White supremacists. Right, the monster white. Yeah. The monster white, right. That's yeah. very cool. So, yeah. Very slick. I like that. But I, I think so far it's well presented. Um, um, lots of encounter tables and with the uh, that's really they're not just plain vanilla encounters. Some of them may be a little bit, but there's enough there to make it real interesting. I think it's our topic tonight. That's pretty appropriate. Yes. Although mm-hmm. with um, some people, if you ask them, you wouldn't even use that. Because, encounter tables. Yeah. Because they got to have a stick up their butt. That's weird. That's no, weird. no, not encounter tables. They, you, you wouldn't use World of the last sun because it's somebody else's stuff. And, you know, uh. You're not allowed to do that. Well, it's not proper. It's the wrong way to play. It's the wrong way. TM. I got to work on the trademark everything. Okay. Yeah, the wrong. We, but we're going to talk about um, today as our main topic, which is what we're going to get into now. Right. Perfect. Perfect uh, segue. Um, another campaign nuts and bolts episode about procedural play, sandboxing, hex crawling. So I'm going to read off the definition. Shoot. And what I'll do since you so lovingly crafted the um, outline, I will present it to you as questions. So, okay. Sounds good. All right. So a, proced- uh, a uh, procedural generation is a type of, a, of creation based on an algorithmic set of variables to produce a randomized but logical set of data. Basically, imagine a flow chart of randomized tables to create an aspect of a role-playing game. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> like an NPC village adventure or dungeon. Yeah. So copy-paste error there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I, th- I, I think the article was, you pulled this from, I was well, like... Well, there's a couple articles in there I was looking at again today, and there were some lot of errors. <laughs> the sonic blast site. Oh, my yes. gosh. But I liked what he had to say. Yes, yes. Um, and this is from a Reddit post. We'll have the link in the, in the show notes, right? Uh, we'll have lots of links in the show notes for 
uh, uh, for your procedural dungeon dinner or campaign generation um, uh, needs. Uh, I want to, uh, before we get too far into this, I want to say I was looking at the first edition DMG yep. and it's been touted as having all you need to play even to uh, generating dungeons, which it does. Mm -hmm. the, there's um, a few appendices in the back where you can generate practically everything in your game practically. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't think there's some weather in there. There's some NPC uh, related information. So if you need an NPC, you, it doesn't have a name generator, but it has like um, personality types and stuff like yep, that. It sure does. It has uh, uh, a dungeon generator with an uh, dungeon generator, wilderness encounter generator, or wilderness terrain generator. Yep. Encounter generators, uh, dungeon dressing for just unpopulated areas and stuff like that. So um has all kinds of stuff in there for you to just yeah, does. roll. So I've heard from a few people, they think that the first edition Dungeon Master's Guide is the best one ever made because of that. There's right. so much. It's the most useful, Most has the most utility. I've heard that several podcasters have said that. So I don't I don't disagree, really. Right. I haven't looked at them in detail. So right. um any of those kinds of tables, if you, you don't necessarily have to use precisely everything in them as written, you can easily like copy and paste that stuff and then replace uh, monsters, uh, you know, trade monsters in and out yep. to, to uh, have a theme if that's what you want to go for. Yeah. It's just really trying to show you a way to set it up as well. Sure. Sure. All right. Um, we have some links to some articles related to our discussion tonight from a couple of, uh, one website I never heard of, Sonic yeah. Blast from the Past. No, I hadn't either. It's a blog uh, spot. So some good information. Um, yep. Typos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. But, uh, I think good information. Um, uh, so the links will be in the show notes. For uh, we're, we're also going to have uh, the Alexandrian that we're pulling from and Reddit, which um, is a cesspool unless you know how to navigate it. But you, but if you read what I posted, that's a pretty good. That guy, that second post, is a pretty good little. Oh, it's extensive. And yeah, I, I was. Pretty, I was like, oh, I'll. It's a half hour. I'll <laughs> check it out. There's yeah. no way I could have read that. No, it was quite long. But the second, the second post, someone asked about it. I thought the guy did a really nice job of outlining how to do a procedural type game in a sandbox. I, I know that. Um, hmm, I have to remember it, John from. Um, Red, Red Dice Best Diaries has yeah. recommended in the past. I'll have to um, uh, reference um, a past episode to see what that, or or I can find his uh, voicemail what? after we're done here. And uh, there was a game resource that he pimped out, uh, Hex Crawl something or other. I can't remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. That. Yeah, I remember that. I'll too. make sure to put that in the show notes as well. So, all right. Um, how does this type of campaign sound on the surface? Okay. So this type of campaign. So you have all these charts, right? And you have like the DM's guide, which is, the, and especially AD&D, first edition we talked about. So you would have one to generate NPCs, NPC names, maybe NPC professions. You could go fully procedural and have all these lists. Um, I think on the surface, it sounds pretty cool and nifty. 
it sounds neat as a potential dungeon master that I, and what I like about it is I wouldn't know what's going to happen fully. You know, I'm playing a game to see how the game's going to play out. I'm probably going to roll a few things up to get started, but then the players are going to make decisions. And as we play, I'm going to quote unquote roll. Um, but this also, as soon as I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, that's me having to really let go. Yes, control. Control. <laughs> that is not Randy's favorite thing to do. So I so would be really, I would yeah, I would be really, I would love to make myself do that. Um, cause it wouldn't, cause I do enjoy DMing prep and I would enjoy making the tables, uh, and I could have my input there that way. Um, right. uh, you can, you can make, you can pre-make all kinds of things. So, um, if your table talks about different, uh, encounters, you can have those fleshed out to some degree. Oh yeah. Ready. And if, yeah. um, if in your part of this is going to be hex crawling. So when you determine what's in the hex, what can be in the hex is a wizard's tower or a castle or an abandoned uh, temple or something like that. And you're going and if that's in there and that's something that the players could run into, you'll have to prep that in advance. So to some degree. Yeah. I think depending on, yeah, you can just use something like, um, dungeon D O N J O N or mm-hmm. is it D O N J O N donjon D O N J O N it's the card from uh deck of me things the donjon right and uh if you really wanted to be random right. you could say wizard's tower and not even have it prepped and when the characters yeah. decide to go there you can say okay hold on a second and you click a button at donjon yep and you have it, you have your dungeon. Yeah. And you can theme it too. I mean, there's lots an of settings on that. An Aboleth. That doesn't make any sense. Right. right. <laughs> it doesn't. However, if, you, if the room is a magic room, you could just say magic. You could, but uh, I'm referencing an experience that I think I talked about it before. Yeah. I ran a truly random, this is what worries me. A guy ran, ran a truly random, random adventure and he was literally rolling for what was there. And he was like as shocked as anybody. He goes, oh, that's an abolith. That doesn't make any sense, but we still fought it. So yeah. It was totally weird. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess I'm. Hmm. But how would you feel? Okay. So you like control and this is you letting, letting go of a lot of control. Yep. And that might make you feel a little uneasy. Do you think that would come across at the table as you play? Hmm. I'd be hard. I don't know how a little bit of it, a little bit of it couldn't. I think you guys could probably tell, but maybe not. I mean, I'm pretty awesome. And so I can probably hide stuff. <laughs> but I mean, my point is, I think, um, I think I would struggle. I think I would struggle with, I'd have to have a certain amount of, um, I don't know, I have to. The idea of this is, we're talking about a totally, so the players decide everything, where they're going to go at the moment, and you just wing it. That um, depends on how, how, how much you lean into this because um, you can have your jumping off point and your procedural point begins when the, the players decide which thing that you've laid out before them, they want to tackle. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, there's multiple ways to run a sandbox. It doesn't have to be all right. You don't have anything prepped at all. Right. You may not even have any inkling. You right. just have a bunch of tables and then everybody shows up and you say, okay, let's roll to see where you start at. 
are you all together? I mean, it can all be random. So um, if you if you don't already have them together, contrived that, which is fine. People will say that's railroading, but I mean, (laughs) uh, get real. Um, You just decide where they've met at and then you Mm -hmm. say, well, what do you do? Right. What are you doing today? And then, and then you're like, kind of, you kind of got, you got all your tables. You're like, what do you do? Once they've decided, you're like, aha, table, roll. <laughs> right. You're walking down uh, the street. I wonder, oh, you need a bomb with one leg. <laughs> players would be comfortable. I mean, let's say you could pull this off without it looking like right. that's what's going on. It wouldn't matter to anybody. Right. Not really. It shouldn't. Yeah. If I can pull it off to where you guys can't tell. Yeah. Who would care? Right. So, so then, but if, if we could tell, especially if you said, okay, guys, I'm trying out an experiment now, you would probably need to do this initially Yeah. because you're not used to running a game like this. You'd have to say, okay, guys, this is what I'm going to try for a while and see how it works out. But, Um, you know, I think the way I would probably, here's how Randy would probably tackle it. mm -hmm. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't just say, where are you guys at? I would probably say, I might say, I might do take a little story an instrument and say, how do you guys know each other? And just go around the, or, or take a dungeon world script, say, Joe, how do you know Jen? Jen, how do you know Philip? Philip, how do you know Greg? You know, go around the table and then start you guys somewhere or say, where would you likely be at 6 p.m. on a Friday? Right. 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 But I would probably be much more inclined to start you at quote unquote a tavern or someplace. And then you guys could decide what you want to do from there. Um, and a market you know, is another good place. A market would be great or at the entrance to the town. Right. Maybe you guys are arriving with a bunch of uh, on a caravan of or something. And a caravan of some sort. You may or may not know each other and you enter the town gates. You know, the town looks to be several thousand people. What do you do? She goes, I'm going to look for a watery home. And you could be halfway between two towns on a caravan, getting ready to go to town, and then you're attacked by goblins. Yep. They they kill all everybody else and take your stuff, and you somehow escape. True. Maybe have your clothes on your back. Right. Dungeon ma- uh, Professor Dungeon Master would love that. Yes. I have no problem with that kind and of say, scenario. Now what do you do? <laughs> Right. Oh, do you, does that bother you? If that's how you started at first level. Um, I wouldn't want every time we roll rolled characters no. to um then say, "All right, dude, are we going to be naked or what?" Yeah, if I did that on our next campaign, you would accept it because I don't sure, do that sure. very often. You're right. like, that's pretty harsh. Right. Yeah, let's see how it goes. I want to see what um, you got. I'd probably prep say, "Look, I'm probably going to be. I'm going to do something pretty dramatic. Don't bother buying equipment." Right. <laughs> that you would could even you could even just preface it and say this is grim dark so be ready hold on to your butts yeah 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 i don't yeah because then i That's guess the only thing you're going to be able to hold on to anyway everything else is going to be gone right right I, I don't think it has to be utterly chaotic and random it's just when the players make a decision you let them guide the story you know i think as a dm you still can sprinkle things in like but if you do, I guess you're 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 kind of railroad. If I say, you know, you've heard that the temple has has great need um, for adventurers. They have a sign out, but I can give you several other hooks. I mean, and you I can decide to take it or not. I didn't see in any of those articles. I skimmed a lot of them anyway. I didn't have much time to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
any kind of advice on embellishment, which is what you're talking about. Right. And the embellishments are what may or may not induce somebody to do a thing. So if you're laying out several options and you and your embellishments uh, drive people, let's say option three sounds best because to you it sounds best and maybe you've embellished it a little bit more because you like it best that might drive them. But um, I don't, there's no way to really get around that unless you don't say anything. Okay. Well, you yeah, have I mean, four options. Right. Um, you're in the tavern. You have four options. You've been approached by, or have heard rumors about four things. These are the right. four things, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And the players say, we're not interested. We're going to go out. Uh, we want to go, uh, go to the marketplace. Okay. Sure. And then, and then you roll marketplace encounters. Yeah. And encounters, things could happen. You might have. And so I guess that's a thing that would be useful um, to um, you could do. But if you want to do total, total random, I, I can't imagine saying you're starting at the village of Hamlet. What if I did this? You're starting at the village. Of Hamlet. You guys are all at Hamlet. Figure out why you're in Hamlet. Joe, what do you do? And then I, Joe would say, well, I'm at Helmet for this, so I'm heading here. Jenny, what do you do? Well, I'm at Helmet for this, so I'm heading here. Philip, what do you do? Well, I live here, and I'm the baker's son, so I'm probably delivering some bread, annoyed, because I'm really looking for a life of adventure. Right. I mean, do I then narrate and go, you just happen to run to Joe as he's heading across the town to go to the Wizard's Tower? You know? Uh -huh. And you've seen him before. Uh, he says hello and quickly moves on. What do you do? I mean... I'm taking control of your character, but I'm saying I don't have to. I mean, that's really loose. Let you guys just decide everything. And yeah, I don't know. To me, I think there'd have to be some. I mean, how would you as a player react? I mean, let's say you have a guy that's going to DM and you, you trust him. He's not he's not a douchebag. He's been a good dude. He's been before. And he just all of a sudden, so I'm trying something different. And okay. he says, you guys are at Homelet. What do you do? Oh, sure. Um, it, uh, it would depend on my character. Let's say. Uh... I probably would probably would opt to go to the local tavern to um, especially if we just arrived from on a, uh, from a caravan. travel, you know, mm -hmm. caravan or whatever. Or travel, yeah. Travel and walk there. Who knows? We just arrived, go to the tavern, get some food, hear some gossip, meet some people. That's what I would do. Yeah, here's some That's, gossip. That's I'm, inviting the dungeon master to roll on his table. Especially if they're brand new characters. Yep. Uh, you maybe have a sentence of background because you really shouldn't have more for a first level character unless you're ready to sacrifice all that background you just wrote. If you just like writing, right, great. right. Unless you're playing fifth edition, which you could write a, a novel before you play, and then you're never going to die anyway. So <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that's that's the easiest way to just start off. You could even depend on your character class. Like uh, if you were a wizard, is there a wizard's tower here? Or maybe there's a herbalist or someone else that they could find interesting to talk to. Mm -hmm. uh, you could, uh, he could say, Oh yeah, um, I just get to town. I'm going to speak to the first guard that I see and see if there's anything that a group of adventurers could tackle. If they know anything. How Stuff like that. There's all kinds of ways that a player can engage right. into something like this without going, I don't know. Right. And I don't think we have too many players that would just stare at me blankly. I think we have a lot of players that would like, I'm going to get involved in something. Right. 
which could make it easy for me. I mean, like you could come to the table, you know, I could have like a handful of encounters of creatures that are based off my table or, you know, NPCs or whatever, but I don't have a real story to speak of until I see what you guys are interested in and I can play it off the cuff. That's probably what, what really good improvisational DMs do. They just kind of have a couple ideas in their head and maybe jot down a few stats or have the book open to the monster stats and sit and they see what happens. And, you know, a village doesn't have to have anything going on. It might be a hayseed town. And all they have going on is the next wheat harvest. So right. you say, oh, there's nothing going on here. Um, uh, we're just going to where, where's the, the oh, we just came in one road. Is there another road that we could take? Yeah, right. there's two, uh, two other ones. OK, we pick yeah. one and then you do some random encounters. They don't all have to be monsters. They could be NPCs, um, any kind of uh, interesting things that can happen on the road. Yep. So how does it strike you, this type of campaign? How does it sound to you? I think I could have fun with it. I don't really care. Oh, so as a player, you have no preference. I don't. Um, I, I just, um, I just am down to play. So uh, for me, a sandbox sounds interesting because um, anything's possible. If you say we're doing a module, well, you know that there's the module, right? Where's the hook, right? If the, if it's a homebrew, um, adventure, there's no telling what it's going to be, but it's not anything goes, it's whatever the DM has prepared. So you know that you have to either, you're either going to be fed the hook very obviously. Yeah. Or you're going to have to discover it after um, either some minimal, you know, uh, engagement with uh, NPCs or depending on who's running it, it could, it could take an hour just to figure out what you're supposed to be doing, which that's annoying. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of those articles in Reddit make the comment that that can be a drawbacks drawback to even sandboxing is it could take a long time for anything to happen. If you let the players just meander about, remember you'd mentioned last week, you don't want to role play trying to buy a 50 foot of rope for 45 minutes. Right. Haggle, no haggle, big nose. It's like, oh, so, so either the DM needs to um, let the players know that, uh, that it's a sandbox or whatever word you want to use, hex crawl, dungeon mm-hmm. crawl, whatever that that's the situation. Or you you got to be a bit crafty in your presentation and um, prompt, probably prompt the players a lot. Like, yeah. um, you just arrived at town, what do you do next? Yeah. And you don't let, you probably shouldn't let too much happen before you you prompt them again. Well, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? You, you, you've talked to the guard, he's given you these options, what do you do? So... As but, you pass through the gates, the, the guards seem really tired. They look as if they've been up all night. Right. And they uh, give you your they give you a once over, and they let you in. You pay your small tax of a silver piece and head into town. And off to your right, you see two men arguing by a tavern. They seem to one seems to be upset about what he's gotten for his uh, pig from the other guy. Uh, what do you guys do? Right. And then look, you know. So yeah, I mean, not that you got to do something to them, but you could even, you know, those mundane things. If the players are interested in it in a sandbox style, you can. It could be nothing, or you can make it something. If right. Because you could say the guards are real tired. Maybe they've been real busy. I ask. Mm-hmm. Hey, what, what? Why are you so tired? We're pulling double duty, man. It's, it's we've got to keep a watch every night, and it seems like 
you know, ever since those uh, goblins attacked that last caravan, and we're seeing lots of little groups of goblins all around the region, and the um, and the mayor's he he's afraid that they may have an all-out assault on the town before long, hmm. something like that, right? And that yeah. could bring you yeah. right. And with the right kind of players, all you need is a little bit of a, I mean, sometimes a little bit, all you need is a little bit of a um, embellishment or a hook, whatever you want to call it for the player. And it doesn't have to mean anything at that point in your mind. You just say a few words. And And on your, on your random encounter sheets, you may have, you may have a couple of encounters with goblins, one riding wolves, one with them. uh, Maybe they're dragging a, a rather large chest they found somewhere, or maybe some goblins are, you know, are sycophants worshiping an ogre. I mean, there's all sorts of encounters you can have with goblins. Mm-hmm. And then if the players are interested and you haven't prepped it, those encounters could be your adventure for the night. Now, some would little- say your better use of a goblin is in the, in the dark of the dungeon because they see in the dark, you don't, and they can employ lots of tactics in the dark of the dungeon your mouth, it's its different for different DMs. I mean, you can that, any kind of monster. Any creature that has dark vision or can see in the dark, that's going to be their advantage. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think there are even some that would say the DM even putting carrots out like you're doing yep. is is uh, off limits. So then what the hell's going to happen? No, it's more like <laughs> you, you're presented with options. I think some people just play with very plain vanilla town stuff as in you um we go to town what happens oh you hear some rumors these are the rumors what do you do oh and And then you follow the rumor and then the dm rolls whatever the rumor you know knows what the rumor leads to perhaps but maybe randomly rolls what the rumors are and then you pick up on a rumor and then he has a table that says well this is what happens when you follow down when you when you follow that rumor, you know, so that's a, that's a different way to do it. Or, or you're saying that me putting those carrots out is me injecting into the story and leading oh, down. I'm down not saying it's bad. I'm no, saying, I'm saying that makes it easy. That yeah. makes it a more interesting uh, time at the table. But I know that there's folks out there who would say story. What are you doing with a story here? Why do you have story in my D and D? Well, that's side tangent. Let's go down this road because I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah. So if there's no story in your D&D and I, I don't care, okay, let's go down this. Mm-hmm. What is your D&D? Just encounter after encounter with no connection whatsoever and whatever happens, happens. I really don't know. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think some people just hear the word and they react because of some more modern games. But the thing is going to be amber. It, dice it might be it, it might be a long uh, a. A, uh, an argument with a long history that we're not aware of. Yeah, it could be something we're not, we're missing. It's but possible. I've heard bits and pieces of things where people will say something, you say story there, you're doing it wrong. And um, so I'm, I'm just imagining yeah. f- folks like that, how they would react to you saying stuff like that about town. <clears throat> if there's not supposed to be any story, what are you supposed to do? Right. And it sounds like more like a video game, especially the older video games, when you click on a thing, you get a menu of choices, then you click one and then you go there and then whatever the game does in the background to, to present you what that thing is. How would that be? How would that be different than me emailing the players? Here's the 12 rumors you've heard. Which one do you guys like? We like number 11. We're going to pursue that. Okay. Then I prep that. Right. Right. You could do that. (laughs) What's, what's the difference? Right. So at the (laughs) table, I think it's more interesting if you, 
do some embellishing, um, throw some carrots out there. They don't have to be favorable to one thing or another. It's just a way to get the players to stop meandering. Yep. Um, I mean, if you got folks like me and a few other folks that we know, you're not going to have to worry about meandering unless there's other players who kind of, you know, run interference. <laughs> well, especially you know, if, if you let them do their own thing and somebody wants to run off and be solo, man. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the, the right kind of players sandbox doesn't have to take a long way to start. Doesn't, it doesn't have to, to um, take long to get to the meat. Yeah. I guess it always felt like, cause I'm not the best improvisational DM. I've always felt like, sandboxing is like you prepare with all your charts and you got all your NPC names, you got your places, you got your encounters, you got your you know, terrain types around the region. You got this and that uh, adventure locales or cool scenes or whatever places. And uh, you prepare to improvise. That's what you do. Right. Which, you know, I've, I've always loved the idea, but I always find myself, I know when I've tried to make it, when I've tried to make a list, I have a list for our mud sword game and I, I, I roll. Here's what's going to happen. I'm like, I don't like that. <laughs> like That's boring. I'm going to pick number seven, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, if it's not undead or demons or constructs, right? it's boring. Or someone claiming to be the flame princess and she's not really that and scare everybody away, which ended up being up. what? Hmm? What did that end up being? Oh, a succubus. A demon. <laughs> oh, it was a demon. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, so we should really metagame about that. What is it really? <laughs> right. It's a demon. Come on. It's a demon. <laughs> you know so, it's a demon. Yeah. So I think what sandboxing has for it as a pro yeah. is the wide open spaces and anything goes. Um, the players can feel like they... Um, have more agency, which I'm not sure if I agree completely because uh, you're going to make a choice and the DM's still going to tell you what's, what the choice means. Right. You're because to tell the DM what the choice means. It's like, you know, the people that complain, we complained about the quantum ogre. But in the end, if I've used the quantum ogre because I have, you never know that. Right. And I don't think it's ever been like, man, I know Randy just made us do that. There might have been early on, but I've done that multiple times. Like, I don't care what they do. They're fighting this thing because I want to see this fight. Right. And like, well, that's not that's not sandbox. Trust. Yeah, I agree. It's not. Have a good time. Sure, you did. Right. <laughs> I mean, and I think I think that's the, the key to it is everybody having a good time. And if they can't tell that there's some hijinks behind the um the screen who it doesn't matter yeah. it really doesn't but the sandbox has the wide open spaces um it's easier pre-game on the dm for sure well yes i think the first time pre-game. i did it, for me it wouldn't be the first time because i'd be nervous mm-hmm. and you know how over prep i would probably have four thousand charts and i can never keep track of them so i'd have to control myself because i'm always afraid like they're going to go somewhere i'm not even ready for but the truth is when you think about it, how does that really happen? The players would have to like, whatever I describe, they could say, not interested in that. Not interested in that. We're keep looking. Okay. And like, well, on this side of the wall, you see these two guards talking. We're going over the wall. Uh, okay. What do you see? You see a river. All right. We're following the river north. 
Okay. Roll random encounter. Oh, tentacles yeah. come out of the water and drag you under under the water and you drown. Roll up another <laughs> character and stop being so stupid. Yeah, that's true. If they were being belligerent, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of rivers rolls come out. Well, first level, yeah, I know. Sorry, that's what I rolled. Yeah. Don't be so dumb. Yeah, wrong initiative. Oh, let's not bother you. In dude. fact, when the trolls come out of the water, they're, they have a, they all have a t-shirt on them. And it says, don't be dumb. <laughs> Get good. Get good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I do think especially, and I do this anyway, I was rewriting my notes today, a few minutes before class started from last session, just some things that had some ideas of how I was going to expand things. And um, I think you have to take good notes if you're going to sandbox, because if you're, if you wing something, let's say, well, this, this is going to be a mysterious stranger. He has two swords. He wears a cloak above his head. His skin is very dark. He looks somewhat elvish. Right. <laughs> okay. And you got two scimitars. And it's like, I'm gonna make a note. This is Dredge Stewarden. He's here for blah blah blah. They met him and they were nice to him. He didn't show his face, but he said thank you and he took off quickly. And you know, he left them with a token. So they've kind of made a friend with Dritz, whatever, you know. So that would be a you know, I think you should make those notes. Or this tavern, I called it, you know, the dragon's left foot tavern or something, right? Right. It better be called that when you come back. Where's that dragon's left foot tavern? Tavern, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. So if if you are going full on random and you want some continuity, if you're not, and if your players aren't concerned too much with continuity, yeah. maybe don't worry about notes, but it's probably a good idea. I would not enjoy a campaign where it was not continuous, unless that was, I was told up front or set it up. There's some, there's an element of uh, entropy that is acting on this town. And one day it's called Greyhawk. The next day it's called Waterdeep. The next day it's called Sigil. I mean, and so it's changing constantly. Yeah, you know? but that would that would probably get old. But uh, I think the other thing, what I was, what was I just saying? Sure. The other thing that is pro sandbox is that it can lend, especially if you do keep notes, and yep. especially uh, if you try to contain uh, maintain some consistency and continuity, it can often simulate a bre- living, breathing world. Yep. Uh, and uh, I guess maybe doing a lot of prep can do that too. If you know, if the DM knows a lot about the world and, and can set things in motion and they're not static, but uh, with. Yeah. You have to remember, I, I would say in any style of play, you know, if, if you, you know, if the player, if you drop, you know, say, Hey, we're looking for rumors. One of the rumors is, um, there's some ghosts on this mansion on this hill, right? And the players are like, we're too low level into that. Okay, fine. Then later on, you know, a month or two later, they have the local graveyards and missing a few bodies near that mansion on the hill. Ah, we don't care. We're going to go kill some more orcs. Yeah, my, my granny's grave wasn't robbed, so I don't care. Exactly. So the players ignore, ignore, ignore. So mm-hmm. I think a good a sandbox or otherwise, mm-hmm. you got to let them know stuff happens. Right. So by beginning of next spring, you may have a full-blown lich on your hands. <laughs> so, right. While, yes, and while a sandbox can lend yeah. to a breathing more, a world that seems living, if you don't have consequences for actions, then it probably will defeat that. And consequences for inaction. And to inaction. Me, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And if they don't decide not to do something, the evil grows. Right. So, yeah. I think we come up with some... So, why would you want a sandbox? I think... Uh, the whys are um, 
maybe the DM does not have lots of prep time. Right. Okay. That's a big one. Right. Um, maybe um, the DM, because this is all this campaign style. I mean, like it or not, is on the DM. Is it? I, th- I think it is. I think it it's is. hard. Enough. Yeah. I mean, he could say, hey, um, I want to run a campaign. Okay. Do you guys care what I do? No. All right. Mm-hmm. But if um, you got players that want to, you know, put their fingers in it, um, then you then maybe they won't enjoy a sandbox. Well, I think if players want to be a part, I mean, if if things aren't set in stone, mm-hmm. if you're like, there's an old ruined temple, and the players can say, is that of my god? Could that could that be one of my god? I always thought that there was a one of our temples here had been destroyed. And I'm like, and you can be like, as a damn, like, yeah, that sounds good. So, so yeah, you, you can, can either just decide yes, or you could roll whatever. No. Whereas you a module, know, I don't think a module might lock you in. Right. A module might lock you in. Module might lock you in. So yeah, the module says no. So no. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's Temple of Ares, no, and that's not who you worship. So so temperament will play into this too. So if you're someone who doesn't like constraints, who likes, uh, you know, likes improvisation, um, then sandbox is probably for you to some degree. I I mean, I act like I don't improvise at all. I do. The last time we played, I did a lot of improvisation, but. um, You come up with stuff off the cuff. Yeah. 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 But I, but I do, I feel better when I have a framework, when I want to have rails on either side of me. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, as so far we're going to say, if, if you want less less prep time, you tend to be more of a person that likes to be a little more, uh, what'd you say? Improv. Like improv. Um, what else would you say is a good reason to sandbox? Um, maybe you just, um, well, what if you're strapped for cash and you don't want to lay out any money for modules? I know that there's probably a lot of free stuff out there available mm-hmm. that you can download. And you could write your own. You could that's write your time, own. That's time right. intensive. Right. So it can be a mixture of different uh, things. And it could be just want to do something new. Yeah. Perhaps, that's you, kind of how... perhaps you're a DM that has gone their whole life never improvising, <laughs> have always run modules of their own make or have bought modules, but right. you want to try something different. Right. Sandbox is for you. Yeah. What's a, what's a drawback to sandboxing? Well, the world is wide open. Anything can happen. Maybe you don't want anything to be able to happen. Yeah. I mean, now, one thing we do like that throws out the uh, appropriate level encounters, CR systems gone in a sandbox. Correct. To me, me, it it would be nonsensical. Right. 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 So, yeah. If it's random, so we can go back a little bit on the why sandbox. If you want to emulate a particular play style or particular thing about your world which could be it's dangerous no we don't know what's around the corner sandbox is for you because you don't know what's around the corner you could you know turn the corner you know you just left the tavern you you're walking down the street you turn the corner and there's a you know an ancient huge red dragon right there and everybody gets mad everybody gets mad oh that wasn't fair dude it was a 20 on the d20 table i'm sorry i rolled 20 yeah Dragon, you know, showed up. Doesn't mean he has to be there to fight you. You know, you, you got lots of freedom as a DM to how, how you present that scene. We've talked right. about that before too. Yeah. Right. He could be just there to exude his fear, make everybody leave in the town, which it might just do, and just take everything. He has his minions, his goblin minions, come in and rob town and say, "Ha ha ha! I didn't have to fight." 
<laughs> I think in most practice, you're right about the prepping would be lighter. Um, I guess for me, I would, gosh, I prep like it would be so hard for me to resist not wanting to uh, have so many things. But, you know, there, would there be anything wrong with having well-fleshed-out NPCs and monster scenes encounters, but have them on a table. So you haven't decided which one they're going to hit, but you really got it ready to go. Is that not sandboxing? I think it is still. Yeah, it's still sandbox. You've just, uh, you've prepped some of the encounters in advance, but there's no telling which one of those you're going to use. So, you know, some people would say, don't do that because you don't want to prep stuff you don't use. Oh, right, right. But to me, I mean, Anything I prep is not useless. It's 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 able to be. Like I told you last week, even though you know I had the NPC come in and pull a Deus Ex, ex Machina at your request, um, there was an element of that dungeon that I can reuse that you guys never saw. I can just put it somewhere else. Right. So yeah. So I guess the another thing you can say that's good for sandboxing is it leaves you free to prep as much as you want, yep, or as little as you want. Yeah. Because if you prep a lot, you can always have, you can prep in a particular way. Like you can, like you were saying, an yeah. encounter, you can write that down on a card or piece of paper or in your computer and you just have it for the next time you need it. Right. It's just on the right. table. And then you, you're, you can sit back and say, what would be a cool encounter? Or you just wait for the encounter ideas to come to you. Otherwise, if you don't have any pre-planned, you just roll on the table and you're like, oh, that sounds cool. And blah, 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 blah. And you just roll with it. Do you so think you could, that you could eventually populate an entire table? Maybe if you, if it, if that many ideas come to you, you can populate an entire table with your ideas instead of go right. with a pre-made table. And I think short of the CR thing, there's no reason fifth edition, fourth edition, third edition, whatever, couldn't be run as a sandbox. The players just have to understand there's no such thing as appropriate level encounters. Right. You, but and that's a different, that's a, that's, yeah, that don't, well, mod, and I, actually most, if you run pre I mean, published modules, they would have what they think is, re, even if they're running first or second edition, they would have what they think is reasonable encounters. Right, for and your characters, yes. Third edition would have CR appropriate encounters, what they have right. calculated. So I guess maybe that's a difference. So you could more easily run a, like we like, the non CR type world. Every region is not a blue, you know, every region that's blue is safe for noobs and every region that's red is dangerous for anybody under level seven. We're not going to have that crap. Right. So it doesn't mean you, but it doesn't mean you have to, right? Your chart doesn't have to have a huge red dragon on it. No, it doesn't. You can, you, you can design charts that are appropriate for your, for your party that you're mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm inclined to always put something in there that I think would probably kill half the party. Um, just because, I mean, not to be a killer, but I think there could be something dangerous in almost every region. And if they screw up and end up, you know, fighting that thing, it could be bad news. They don't have to die. They might win, but there'll probably be a price. Right. Out in the wilds. Who knows? Who knows what's out there? It reminds me of uh, one thing that's got me thinking about this over a year ago was uh, Tale of the Manicore, how they, uh, spoiler alert, those haven't listened, the first couple of you know episodes these low level first level characters encounter an ogre yes and i'm like oh with and they're like weakened they have no stuff and i'm like oh my 
God, you know, this thing could toy with him and kill him anytime he wants to. But uh, it definitely made for a cool story. Sure did. <laughs> That's a grim dark. If there are <laughs> very grim dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So. So sandboxing is probably not for hyper control freaks. No, like me. Right. Um, I keep threatening to do it, though. I keep threatening to try it. Just haven't pulled the trigger yet. Right. I mean, if you really love a particular module or set of modules or a company who produces modules, or you just like modules in particular, mm -hmm. sandboxing is, is probably not for you. I mean, some people love just running through modules for one reason or another. Sometimes it's just, I heard this thing about this module, whether it's um, the encounters are cool your characters are likely to get lots of treasure or a particular item of treasure that you're looking for. So um, in the sandbox, you're not necessarily going to come across the thing that you want to come across. Yeah. As I mentioned last week, I like using modules. I rarely run them as written. Right. Um, and I do write my own. I've run my fully own adventures. That's, that's a real thing. So, but they're also, I, I think me is just a control thing and sandbox. It feels too loose for me. Right. And, some players may not respond well to sandboxy type things um, with a module you have ready made in uh, everything's ready made for you just about everything. So you don't have to, you don't even have to really prep really, right. except to, I mean, we talked about it last week. Um, you really should read it in advance, but you don't necessarily have to. Nope. It's going to be better for everybody if you do, <laughs> but uh, uh, you don't have to. I've, I've misread or not read something in a module and thought it said something and ran it a certain way. And not only did it make the encounter different, it led us to a completely different conclusion. Oh, Meaning yeah. it was like, that's, I was like, that's what they, ne they never intended. And I never told you guys that. Right. I just ran it as it was, as we were. And what I did was end up, it ended up being my adventure, even though I had intended for it be, because I thought it was this. And you guys said, okay, we're pursuing this. And we got way into it. And, you know, the next week I'd set it down and read the module a little more. And I'm like, oh crap, that was completely wrong. <laughs> They're going here for the rock. That's not even a thing. Well, I guess it is. It is now. <laughs> it is now. It is now. Um, yeah. Um, so sometimes, uh, players i think feel more freedom when they have some constraint to work around because if you have yeah. too much if it's all open then you can get analysis paralysis like that idea you walk into town what are you doing joe uh right you're in the headlights yeah in town okay versus if i see this guy this rather husky looking halfling he's nearly four three and a half feet tall bumps this lady grabs a purse takes her running down an alley Joe's like, huh? Yes. I thought, oh, let's ch chase that foul little thief. I'm not chasing him. I'm going to zap him with a lightning bolt. Right. His <laughs> yeah, lightning bolting crack. I don't have no time to chase. You're dead. Yeah, that was his. That was actually his purse, and uh, had his uh, had the money in it from his little his baker. He was the baker. She had stolen it. She oh, was it. <laughs> My bad. Sorry. And if you're sandboxing, I could screw Joe that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I, want, I made it look like a robbery, I could just say, well, look, now Joe goes to jail. He loses his spell book. And uh, there you go. We all love having our expectations subverted. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> what about using maps, dude? I thought about that. Do you think a lot of people that do hex crawls and sand and sandboxes, didn't they use to create their own maps? 
I think it's a mixed bag because you've got folks that like theater of the mind, which uh, sandboxing can likely be more satisfactory for. I would think so. Um, Maps, though, are perfectly fine with a sandbox because um, especially if it's just a blank map. Right. Except, you know, it's it has rooms on it. It might be even key to a module, but you can ignore all of that and roll yeah. random for each room you go in. You right. can even use the D, the first edition DMG, like we were saying earlier, to um, see what's what the what's in the hallways or what the entrance to it is like, and all that other stuff. You don't even necessarily need to to. You can get a module and just yank out a map and then just roll random crap in it. And file off still the, be as fun or maybe more than what was already yeah, there. And take the map of Hamlet and file off the serial numbers and say, this is the town of Whitethorn. Yeah. And use every single, you know, this is the baker's name. You could even use the same names. No one would ever know. Right. You know, so that'd be cool. So, yeah, the maps. Yeah, maps are good either way. Yeah. Now, there seems to be a distinction, though, between the hex crawl and the sandbox. The um Alexander had a lot of good stuff. He has several articles on how he hex crawls. And uh, when I when I read some of that and when I uh, listened to Tell the Manicore, he rolls these dice as they go across the land. And when they enter a new place, he has like, if what does he call it? Stumble upon roll. Yep. Like you yep. stumble upon something. The weather every day, how far you travel, um, and the direction and getting uh, getting uh, getting a uh, getting lost roll. I think is something we should pay more attention to. Right, um, it's a different circumstances. There are circumstances that you could probably say, okay, we need to figure out if you guys get lost. Like if you're in, in if they're in a storm, yeah, or maybe um, it could be that uh, they were drugged and they wake up somewhere they're not familiar with, it might mm -hmm. take them time to get their bearings if they ever do. Yep. There's, all, there's a, a number of different things that could cause you to have to roll on. Roll that. Something else, if you leave the beaten path in a forest, you could easily get turned around. Sure, sure. You know, maybe if you had a ranger or a druid or somebody who was particularly skilled at navigation, that's when that would help. But, I mean, I think I remember an old D&D, original D&D, when I played Beckme, we had the basic set. They talked about roll to see if they get lost. And I'm like, What? Don't these guys know where they're going? <laughs> but you you can and still get lost. Or you know, if you get uh, was it in uh, I'm keep giving stuff away on Tell the Manicore, they're out in the wilderness and they get into a fight with a grizzly bear, and they, and they end up having to they have to flee. You know, yeah. and, and they they still get cornered. But the point is, you could run for quite a while and forget where you not know where you're at. Yeah, yeah. You know, depending on what kind of terrain you're in. If you're in a rocky terrain, everything looks the same. You're like, uh, where's the trail? I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? If you're, and if you're underground, in a, oh. if you're underground or if you're, if you're in a dungeon, your typical, you know, who knows how it got there dungeon. Right. And it goes from regular um, um, chiseled out hallways, you know, where mm -hmm. it's obviously dug by people and you go to a natural labyrinthine cavern, you could yeah. easily get lost in something like that. Or even one well, imagine one that's well chiseled. I mean, like several levels completely worked out. But if it's 45 rooms on a level and half those rooms are empty and you get turned around, you know, you get into a fight with a wizard and he casts darkness and you have to run out of the room to see. And the Especially next if there's you know, nothing distinguishing one room from the other except for its yeah, size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go into a different room and you find out there's six skeletons and you're a rogue in your first level and you go, I got to run from that. Next thing you know, you're off by yourself lost in the dungeon. Right. But I, the biggest problem there for me is 
how do you model that at the table rather than, you know, cause we don't use the mapping anymore. Right. right. So, and I'm not really interested in mapping, which might be why remember years ago, I used to say all adventurers have an innate direction sense. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say that. I didn't want to worry about drawing out the map. Oh, we, we did mapping for a while. Nobody liked it. Right. Uh, and I got tired of turn left. Well, this is where it was left. And that's what I said. I need to draw it wrong. And then they're like, I want to see your map. And I was like, and I should have said, no, you're lost. But I was like, oh, here. And they go, oh, that's not right. And they would change it. It's like, this is a waste of time. You know, you could, you could make, you can make a table up for that. And yes. if the, if you have a location, whether it's above ground, below ground, whatever, yeah. that you're, you have a varying degree of familiar familiarity with, let's say you go to a place for the very first time, but mm-hmm. it's very, has very distinctive architecture, or maybe it has um, vines and v- different things running through it. So that makes it easy to follow. Um, so you could, you could just have a roll and on a, let's say a D six, mm-hmm. um, in a very, in a place that's easy to navigate for whatever reason, yeah. you only get lost on a one or a six, right. depending on how you're rolling. Like whatever. Yeah. But if it's very easy to get lost in a particular place where you've never been before, maybe it's two out of six. The only way you don't get lost is to roll a one <laughs> or a six. Right. If you're in like some really cr- like a maze. Yeah. As you long as you're not doing anything particular to make sure you know where you're going, like using right. talk or marking or, things or yeah. someone in the group says that they are sketching the map, the, the, um, the location as you're going, which means you're going to not, you're going to take longer to get from A to B. And there will be times when you run and you're not going to be sketching. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. No way. And, um, and what if you get knocked into a body of water? Sure. Then the paper <laughs> all just goes away. Yeah, you're screwed. So I wonder if, uh, yeah, that's that's something that would be. I think a sandbox would lend itself to that because in most modules you got kind of this purpose to get somewhere by a certain time or to complete these four or five different things. Um, and you can sandbox. If you have a dwarf in the party, then you might be able to forego rolling a getting lost underground thing. If you have a I, ranger in your party <clears throat> or an elf, let's say, and you're above ground, maybe you don't have to worry about getting lost above ground. So. Yeah. Unless you come up, you know, up on a place that's particular, maybe it's mystical and it, yeah. it, magic in the area causes you to get lost. Right. Then having a wizard in your party would help. Ah, there you go. So you could, there's things you can, you can make it interesting without mm-hmm. making it really, you know, like, okay, you get lost and you never find your way out. You starve, you die. New characters. But I mean, I think one time it'd be interesting to push the lost concept to where like, man, we are low on food. Right, right. Currently, we're keeping track of food and stuff in, in our Mudsword game. And so that would be an interesting thing to do to where you're like, crap. Because, I mean, again, tell the Manticore they have that problem and right. one, one or two times. And that to me, that's that that adds tension, makes things interesting. And, and having an encounter is not very fun then, even if it's just a couple of goblins. You're like, man, we got to fight and we're still running low on food. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think um, – we're still we're still coming with good ideas to sandbox because it, it's making for good um, for good things at the table. Oh, I, I think so too. I think and hex crawling too. Yeah, hex crawling is you you know the, you you literally are exploring the land in the campaign world mm-hmm. and going from one usually it's thirty mile thirty mile across hex hexagonal region. And uh, there's a chance of something interesting. Usually you have probably at least one feature within a 30 mile radius that could be 
somewhat interesting and all sorts of chances for random encounters or even full on adventures and you go on particular hex and you might find the temple of elemental evil. Right. So stumble and, upon that. And so I think I've, I thought of uh, another reason why you may not want a sandbox. Oh, what's okay. that? If you have a particular scenario in mind or story mm-hmm. that you want laid out for the players, or if right. the players have called for a particular yeah. scenario or story, sandboxing is going to be difficult. Now, right. if it's a loose enough story, you could have a framework within which you could sandbox different things. But right. um, having a predetermined um, tale. Yeah. Uh, and some people like Heathen Dog from um, um, Legion of Myth will say, I have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So sandboxing for him is difficult, except in the in-between. Right. So once you do the, the beginning, then he could probably do a quasi-sandbox as long as it leads to the middle, and then same thing after that as long as it leads to the end somehow. And I think for me, and I, I really want to – I think I'm – after this discussion, I'm really feeling like I want to try to do sandboxy stuff. You know, you know me, I love to have this great, the big bad guy, right? And he's up to no good. And the players better figure some stuff out before long. Things are going to get real bad. Yeah. Right. I, I kind of like that story. I do that quite a bit. So and, I think you could have a combined approach and we might want to talk about that in a future. Yeah. A part three. Yeah. Or, 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 or at the end of this. After right, maybe. what we're going to talk about tonight, but a way to combine the predetermined with the yeah. sandbox. Yeah, and I think that would be a good discussion because I definitely, I honestly think that I have elements of sandboxiness in my games. No, I am, I'm definitely more of an adventure writer. I have an adventure right. planned. It doesn't mean I like, oh, you have to do this, but you guys can use, oh, this is the adventure. Let's do it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, you were just saying something about modules are still helpful, even with the sandbox, because you can, even with a random role, randomly determined outcome, you can randomly determine you're going to this location in which this yeah. particular module can be played out, either, you know, in part or in whole. Yeah. Hex number four from this town is the two horrors. If they go there, they will see the entrance. They can choose not to go, but if they go in it, that's what they're experiencing. Right. Right. So, yeah. Right. And um, I think, I think, did we mention this before? Um, I think a a good way to make sure that the world feels like it's living is to have consequences and that the world goes on, like you say here, goes on with or without the player's involvement. So, like you were saying about the, um, you throw in a little carrot with the, with the ghost, um, the haunted house, haunted house, and, and another one with the cemetery. Yeah. Then if they continue to ignore, maybe there's a, an undead uprising or something like that. So right, it could be. Yeah. You can have that. Doesn't I don't think preclude sandboxing. No, no. Because the the, the, the players might say, okay, I guess the town gets gets waxed. We're gonna right. Go to the next town. We're out of here. Yeah. We're fourth level. We're not finding necromancer. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they're, they're fifth or sixth level and, oh, no, there's a gigantic horde of undead uh, generated out of all these villages and towns that were overrun by undead in succession that you, you know, kind of ignored. So yeah. now yeah. half yeah. the world is undead. Yeah. So what do you do now? And that, seventh <laughs> level, that seventh level necromancer is now a 15th level lich. 
Yes. Okay, yes. now, yeah. You so didn't want to fight him at seventh level, you want to fight him at 15th, and he's an undead spellcaster? So, right. And you say all this, and then you say, so what do you do now? <laughs> we go to the far reaches of whatever. Okay, so I guess we're going to do a little Walking Dead here. Yeah. The world is going to be overrun, which could be an interesting campaign. Could be. That would be cool if the players caused the world an undead apocalypse and they had to live in it. Right. And what would be worse for them is if somehow people found out it was their fault. Oh, that would be awesome. Then they won from it. Would that would actually be hilarious if the players did that, and and, and not through their own like we're going to be jerks about it, but just they thought. You just went mute. It doesn't say you're muted. Oh, now you're frozen. Now you're not frozen. Okay, there you go. Huh. All right. So it was, oh, yeah, it, I got a little message on here that says my internet connection is unstable. You have did been. I go frozen? I know. You looked fine. Okay. Well, of course I do. It's me. <laughs> It looked awesome, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So what when you went silent, what were yes. you saying? I don't you saying something about <clears throat> you were saying something about the uh undead hordes? Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, it would be neat if players did that without like not non-maliciously mm-hmm. and said, Well, this well, we're gonna try to fight the undead. What do you mean there's two hundred of them? Oh crap! We're gonna to try to free the t- help help the town, you know. And they try to help. Say they're good guys. They help the town. They help the town escape. They free all the people they can, and they head off. They go, well, you need to live here in the big city. Don't worry. That undead horde is gonna taken care of. We told this wizard about it. He's a good guy. He'll take care of it. Well, what if he ends up being an ally to the necromancer, and he's just he's Saruman to Sauron, or he just failed. Are, yeah, or he fails. He dies, and he becomes a servant. Yeah. A specter servant to the to the to the necromancer lich, and then you guys go off, you know, become heroes, sort of in one realm. You're eighth, tenth level. You're building your keep, and then they go, hey, uh, sir, there's a giant horde of undead coming across <laughs> your field to the west. What? Okay, let's go slaughter those things. And then you see specters and whites, and there's a particular uh, specter who has a, a hard on to get to kill all of you. <laughs> Thank you for telling me. I'm going to kill you all. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. Have we kind of done the sandbox thing? You think? Um. Let's see. Anything else you want to chat about? We talked about hex crawls. Did you want to get into that a little bit more, or is that all you had on that? Well, I, I don't think I have a lot to say other than I think it's more of a. To me, it's an explore. It, how much you want to do exploration of a world? Uh, hex crawls would be fun, but with any with any with any hex. I guess within each hex, you could have a sandbox. You'd have let them do adventures within the hex. And But if their job is, if they're hired, you know, if their job is we're going to explore this unknown, uncharted territory and we're going to charter it, then it could become a whole campaign of just chartering unknown lands. Right. And um, yeah, hex crawls, I guess if you, I guess it would just all you know, have, I don't know how random your charts could be. If you're in a region that's mostly you know, deciduous forest, then several hexes are going to be deciduous forest type. Right. So you have to, so you could either determine that randomly, which, which is kind of weird. I mean, you might do that randomly before you come to the table. Right. If you're not sure what you want your world to look like, you can have um, a certain set of hexes where you know that the, you know, the geography of, if not the uh, content, otherwise, you know, potential encounters and all that other stuff with those folks that are not fond of the DM, you know, having the guards give the players 
you know, the tired guards, you know, being the DM presenting, presenting that or the DM presenting these little hooks. That they're Don't do that. Let the players decide. Would they also not want you to prep your world? Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure how far that goes. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people, um, the last time I was, on, I was on Twitter and got into a back and forth. Mm-hmm. And part of that made it seem like these folks, you don't really do any prep. Everything's generated from the players telling you what they're doing. And then you roll randomly. You have your random tables are all in the DMG. Just use that. You don't really need anything else. Well, to their defense, you're right. You don't need it. Doesn't mean it's good. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, their play could be crap. I don't know. Right. right. So, yeah. Well, I, I think that there's a decidedly, it's more, they're, they're more even, even more gamey than I am. I like my, I like oh. more game in my DM, in my D and D than some other people who like more story and all that or more role playing. Right. I'm more story role play guy, but yeah, more, I'm very gamey gamer, but that's even, that takes it uh, to a different level. I think. Yeah. Just, then it's a, just a random computer generated encounter. Every time we're going down this way. We're encountering this. We're going to do this thing. We're going to go over this hill. Okay. There's really no difference between rolling a die to determine what's over there or hitting a button on a computer screen and telling you what's there. I mean, what if you walk six miles in a desert and you randomly roll an Arctic Tundra? Right. Then you all of a sudden you have the Arctic Tundra? Well, I'm I'm pretty sure they would say, well, you stick to the terrain they're in. Oh, well, isn't that railroading the players? Why do they probably, it probably is. You could probably, <laughs> you, they probably call you a rules lawyer because you're actually using rules uh, in a way that they don't like against, <laughs> which is against them. So, <laughs> right. You're using the rules. You're telling me how to play. Oh, that's rules lawyer. Well, that's what you're doing. Yeah. I have no issue with, with them playing the way they do, but don't yeah. act like it's the one. If they're having play. fun playing the way they play, that's fine. If you play D and D and you almost never roll a die on the table and you guys are all storyteller actors. Dude, knock your socks off. Have fun. Yeah. You know, not my cup of tea, but right. whatever. It's not, I wouldn't call it precisely a game, but. <laughs> hey, you call, if that's your D&D, you ain't hurt my feelings. No, no. I wouldn't call it D&D, but you call right. it whatever you want. Right, right. All right. All right. So, um, again, if there's any of these points that anybody out there listening would want us to go into more detail on in a subsequent episode, let us know. Send us some email. Comment on our video. Any way you can get a hold of us would be great. Yep. Um, leave a voicemail. The link will be in the show notes. So, the next segment is playing in the mud. We're going to talk about mud sword some more. I didn't do much more with anything I've been working on with the game. No, mine was more of the question to connect to the sandbox. Do you think we would get more mileage out of the play test if I went to a more, at least for a little while, to a more sandboxy approach just to see what players are into? It might Maybe be. Like, instead, I mean, because I, I think our players, I mean, they're kind of following along with the play test and, you know, doing the adventures that I'm doing. But what if I just let them go? And maybe, right. maybe that would open up segments of the rule. Like maybe, you know, maybe you're always like, I want to try to craft a magic item. I'm like, hmm, we've not really thought about, I mean, though we have, I haven't thought about crafting magic items. Don't have any rules for it. Right. Maybe you better figure it out and we right. can talk about it and do that in the game and see how it plays out. Um, and maybe someone else is like, hey, um, I heard the Duke was having a party. Uh, I'm a bard and I'm pretty, uh, pretty savvy and we don't have a bard yet but you know i'm gonna go i'm very highly charismatic i'm gonna go try to get invited to this party right and try to convince the duke that he should sponsor us 
hey, maybe we need some sort, maybe, I don't think we do, maybe we need some mechanics for that sort of thing. You right. know, I don't know if Sandbox could inspire, you know, fill in holes in the mechanics, though I guess we don't have enough of a manuscript yet, I think, to really worry about filling in holes. Uh, but maybe. I think if you, well, you we could do, we emulate do. or just plain use yep. tables in the first edition guide. Yep. Or there's there's a lot of random table resources out there and at least the region kind of unboxing yeah the region in our campaign world that i'm playing in I've, i think i've developed enough of the coastal area and then the hills beyond and then the narrow wood i got enough of that developed to where we could do some crawling around if i you know drew it out a little better so what um, i think the sandboxing or and or hex crawling yeah. would uh, uh would do would uh, you wouldn't have to worry so much about prepping a module, right? So you could focus more on prepping the rules. Yeah. And then when we get to the table, uh, I think we might end up driving more play through sandboxing instead of getting involved in um, what the local wizard wants us to do and, and all this other stuff. Right. I mean, there's going to be some of that, but right. I think with sandbox, uh, with uh, sandboxing or hex crawling, we could end up getting more play in, you know, more, more engagement with the rules than otherwise, right. perhaps. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was. We wondering. have to be driven though. And people will have to either, you know, follow along with one of us who picks up on a hook that you lay out and, and not dawdle. Cause some people want to meander. Yeah, we and if we can't do that, and I have to admit, I'm, I'm, I am a little have a little trepidation because if we don't get a play till New Year's Day, which is our current plan, and we have a big session of eight hours, I'm going to be pretty nervous to show up with just tables for eight hours of play. Well, like I was saying, <laughs> yeah. Between now and then, mm -hmm. you you start off with uh, with tables of randomness that you didn't make, yeah. but if between now and then you have, oh, this would be a cool encounter, and you replace them. Mm -hmm. you write it up and you replace one of your entries or this would be a cool uh, with hex crawl tables there's um look it's um what's in this hex is it um a castle is it uh unpopulated does it have some other feature so you can come up with cool features you want in it yeah. in your table and then you can come up with longer tables right so it gives you some freedom from being constrained by the module to come up with interesting things that you would like to see presented at the table, but you might end up like, oh, I really wanted to do that. And just right. fudge roll. Yeah. You're going to do that. Yeah. Who knows? I guess to me, I would just. It's a risk. Well, and this is my interest is I'd want to see what the players, I mean, I'd like to be able to say, what do you want to do really? Well, what is your character interested in? Right. And see where that takes us. But we could also have four or five different, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. Right. So I think, I think you're, you might want to, if you're interested in what the player, what the, the care players want from, from their characters email, right. If yeah. you don't, and if you don't get any response, then when we sit at the table, you say, okay, what do you want to do? Right. You preface that with, this is what's happening at this moment right now presented with this, what do you do? And then we go. 
Right. True. You know me, I'll just jump in and blaze a trail and we'll go there. And Well, you guys have a lot of, you know, we're using, uh, I'm currently using uh, Hamlet and Nob and the temple in some version of it. Um, it's somewhere out there. Yeah, it's a, it's been, you've heard comments to all those places. You know, people have made a comment about the Hamlet in the city of Nob, the town of Nob, the town of Hamlet, and something about the temple. Um <clears throat> and last time you heard a little bit more about that. So you guys could be guided to that, or you might be like, hey, I want to go, what's what's this way? But it'd be nice if I had a map so you guys could decide what's this way, or I've heard about, I want to head, I want to go on, uh, I want to go uh, east of the Lonesome Coaching. You know, well, I hadn't thought about that. So I should have something, some random set of stuff, or maybe a hex or two figured out at least what could be there and you guys could go there and roll and see what it is. Right. So, Let me consult yeah. my notes here. I seem to remember. Yeah. I think we already talked about some of this stuff. Let's see. Yeah. I think we talked about your spell ideas, which were good. Yeah. And I haven't done much as far as rules other than I have added in. I think I've added in the um, spell casting change. I want to make that announcement. I, I think I'm going to build a PDF for the rules. I haven't, I haven't broken down into pieces. I'm going to put it all together in a single PDF. Okay. So um, for we've talked about having uh, race-specific classes. Yes. So that um, humans can be uh, unlimited in most classes except for perhaps – an idea we had that the, mm -hmm. the races would have their own, which kind of emulates races class, but giving yep. them some um, options beyond yes. that. Yes. So I was thinking about what a dwarf would be. And what about a giant slayer? Because that's kind of iconic for d dwarves mm -hmm. to be trained to do that. I mean, your first level giant slayer sounds kind of weird. You're right. not going to be slaying too many giants at first level. But maybe that's something they could do after they've been um, – maybe they tapped out or, a fighter. Right. They could go down the giant – they could go for training for some sort of giant slaying. Yeah. That would be something – There's what if those classes are like to borrow from third edition prestige, but they're not like – they're just a continuation but a specialized focus so that right. you improve versus giants. Um, we have to think about them. I'm not sure that would work. Do they just keep getting better as fightery dude or yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking of the halflings. Uh, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. I'm, yeah, sure, uh, sure. It's uh what's what's the other word? Uh brainstorming. Not yeah, yeah. this may never see the light of day, the giant slayer. Sure. And it's yeah. I'm sure it's done somewhere else because it, it's kind of I oh, yeah. kind of something. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty I'm generic. Sure it's been done, but um so halflings. Yeah. Halflings are are Iconic in burgling, being right. you know stealthy, stealthy. Yeah, yeah. but um, as far as making them viable in in uh, kind of general, I was thinking something more along the lines of calling uh, calling it an explorer and being mm -hmm. kind of like um, Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. So, in that they. Uh, they take an interest in strange and exotic locations and let's go find out what's over there. 
and they get they might have more survival they might have more survivability abilities that let them survive in difficult terrains so a way for them to be thievy right about being thieves right so they'll they'll they'll, they may know how to navigate um traps and stuff like that and they're going to be nimble because they're halflings right um another one i'm not sure where i'm getting this from but i know that uh in the harrowing of the uh, Shire, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. One of the, I think it was, um, not Bilbo, Frodo, not Frodo. Pippin, Mary. Um, Samwise became the Sam. sheriff, didn't he? Yes, event, yeah. Okay, so I was just thinking, what? It'd be probably too much of a town job, not really something you'd go out right. and do. I, I like the Indiana Jones type thing, the explorer, the survivalist kind of thing yeah um, so i've always liked the blade singer for the elf kind of the marrying the magic and fighting the well, dance I, yeah so so there's always been two kind of uh things for elves they're they're either nature boys or they're yeah. wizards so right. so uh, i'm sure we can fashion something out of that i, I was just thinking druids but oh uh, yeah you said that once before maybe the, yeah we could i mean elves could be the druid class could be for to the, the elf yeah Especially since the wizard gets some druid-like things, yeah. Um, then wizards can still have there could still be humans that have access to some spell, uh, some magic through the wizard class that emulates right. some iconically druid things. Right. But if you just make a druid and say that's the elf, the elf can do the I, druid. That would be. I think that would work out well. Yeah, it really could. Okay. All right. Good. So just okay. just brainstorming. Yep. Maybe do a little sandboxing on the first. We'll see. Yeah. Let's Lock do some. Paper. Let's do some of that just to see how it works out. It may not work out. Yeah. Yeah. But give at it least a we say we tried it out and see see what happens. Yep. All right. Anything else we're going to say before we sign off out of here? Kind of. I got early. nothing, bud. Huh? I got nothing. Got nothing. Yeah. All right. Nothing. If you would like to support our show, please visit the many places you can find us on the interwebs, such as our website, www.biggestgeekestpodcast.com. I sure wish I could shorten that. <laughs> no. I could go with .net or um, .net. Oh, then you, could do, then you could do biggestgeekest.net probably. Yeah, something like that. What's or the difference? Oh, well, it's just a different – it's just a different um, – I can't remember what the last bit, the dot com high the level dot, domain. Yeah. Sure. I, I don't I don't know it would be all that different, but dot com is what everybody knows. No. Yeah. If you click on the support tab there, you there there will be ways for you to give us your money that yes. we will gladly take. Yes. Um in the treasury. Yeah. We're on Twitter at Biggest Geekus. Uh Facebook. You can just look us up at Facebook, MeWe, Odyssey, YouTube. Just type in the search bar, Biggest Geekus, and you'll find us. We're so uh, big, you can't miss us. Uh, we also will have our, um, we have a Discord that has very little activity. We'd love you to see you there so we could, well, I know I would. Randy Randy doesn't like Discord. I like Discord. I just don't spend time there. I need to get on that. I think a lot of cool people are just, in Discord. I think you just said you like it, but you're not there. I'm never you there. really like and it. Are you sure? Apparently, I don't like it. So 
you make time for the things you like. <laughs> oh yeah. Busted Randall. Yes. So I'll have the, our discord link up in the show notes for you to click on and go join. Um, hopefully that link works. Yeah. Uh, our email, if you said, if you want to send us a note, especially about today's episode, if you want us to get into something a little deeper, um, our email is the geeks at biggest geek, biggest geekest Or leave us a message on anchor too. Well, that's cool. And on anchor, I don't have that here. Right. We need so, anchor. Maybe that's what's been happening when I had that many comments. Cause we have voicemail link. Well, I've never, we've never really had the, the link there for voice. Oh, okay. Okay. Right, right, right. right. Um, so apart from doing that, you can share this show with your friends that won't already listen to us. And if you have friends that are not listening to us, are you really their friends? That's a good point. Can you, can you remain their friend? I mean, that's kind of a deal breaker. Yeah. Because if you're not sharing our show with people, what are you doing? Then, well, it's just, you can't really be, really be their friends because it's I mean, an awesome I show. Do that I do you. understand that people would want to keep us to themselves. Oh, they might really, be that. They might be that. But we are too big. And we're big as geekers. We're too yeah. big to be kept by just a few people. Right. So spread us. Share us with your friends. Share, Share us. <laughs> Listen to my voice. Yes. Um, oh. Please subscribe, like, share, and rate us in all the places that you find us. Anything else you want to say there, Mr. Randy? Yeah, I'm good. This is Joe. And I'm Randy. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us.